we have a crisis in the world, tremendous crisis, and also crisis in our consciousness, in us. I see the urgency of change, radical revolution, mutation in the mind. I see it. It is necessary. There is complete quietness of the mind, and that which is silent has vast space. Only then that which is nameless comes into being. This is Urgency of Change, the Krishnamurti podcast. The chief concern for a serious person is the total transformation of the human mind. Total, not partial, a complete revolution in the psyche, because that is the first movement that can transform the outward environment. Hello and welcome to episode 158 of Urgency of Change. Each episode of the Krishnamurti podcast is compiled from carefully chosen extracts from the archives, representing different approaches to many of the fundamental issues that we all face in our lives. This week's theme is transformation. Upcoming topics are occupation, learning and morality. This is a podcast from Krishnamurti Foundation Trust, based at Brockwood Park in Hampshire, UK. Brockwood is also home to Brockwood Park School, an international boarding school offering a personalised, holistic education for around 70 students. It is deeply inspired by Krishnamurti's teaching, which encourages academic excellence, self-understanding, creativity and integrity. Please visit brockwood.org.uk for more information. You can also find our regular Krishnamurti quotes and videos on Instagram, TikTok and Facebook at Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. This week's theme on transformation has five sections. This first extract is from Krishnamurti's second talk at Brockwood Park in 1976, titled There Must Be a Transformation in Human Consciousness. We were saying how important it is that there should be transformation of human con- in the human consciousness. I think it is fairly obvious why it is so absolutely necessary and urgent. One can observe right throughout the world, there is great disorder, politically, religiously, economically and in our social relationship, which is society. There are wars, cruelty, every form of distortion. And apparently no religious person or group of people have transformed themselves radically and so affected the whole of human consciousness. And what we were saying yesterday was 
that when there is human transformation, that is, there is a transformation in the content of your consciousness, which is you, then that very transformation affects the whole of mankind, which again is fairly clear. And I hope this is one understands this fact that where there is radical transformation, actual, not theoretical, not an ideational or a hypothetical change, but actual transformation in our consciousness, in you as a human being, then that transformation brings about a quite a different atmosphere in the consciousness of the world. I think this is clear, because one can see how people, however neurotic like Hitler, this person and that, have affected the world. So it is necessary if we are at all serious, if we are at all concerned with human behaviour, human condition, and the urgency of that, of that transformation, we must examine together our consciousness, that is, what you are, what we are. And apparently very few have taken have very few have applied themselves to this transformation. They have talked about it. Volumes have written about it, both by the psychologists, philosophers and the analysts. But in fact, very few human beings have radically transformed themselves. They are concerned with the outer trimmings, the frills, the branches, but not tackle the very root of our existence, find out what is totally wrong with us, why we behave like this. So, what we were saying yesterday, if we may continue with it today, that in our consciousness there are three principal factors – fear, with all the complications of fear – please observe it in yourself, don't merely listen to my words – description is not the described, the word is not the thing unless one observes oneself through what is described, the description, then you can go into yourself and observe the described, the fact. So we were saying yesterday there are three factors, major factors in our consciousness, which is fear, pleasure, the pursuit of pleasure and great sorrow – sorrow implying grief, 
travail, anxiety, every form of neurotic behaviour, all that's in our consciousness. And is it possible to change that consciousness, to bring about a profound revolution in that consciousness? The second extract is from the first talk in Sanan, 1973, titled What Place Has Knowledge in the Transformation of the Mind? So having looked at the world, not at the details, there are too many details, the sorrow, the suffering, the brutality, the violence, the communities that are trying to establish a a way of life according to a certain pattern, the economic war as well as the actual bloody war, the politicians with their deception and their corruption and all the rest of it. If you can put away all that, then we can look at ourselves And to look at ourselves requires seriousness, because what you have denied outwardly is what you are inwardly. I do not know if you see that, because what you have created outwardly is the projection of yourself, because we are very violent. We are deceptive. We have various kinds of masks we put on, various poses. And we want, throughout all this, security. So what we are, the world is, right? Do please see this. Actually, not theoretically. And it doesn't depress one. To realize that that the world cannot be changed unless you radically change yourself. That doesn't depress one. On the contrary, it gives you tremendous energy to change. So, one realizes in all seriousness what the world is, we are, and we are the world. 
Then the next problem is, how is the human mind to change? The mind that has been cultivated through millennia, a mind that has been educated, conditioned, a mind shaped by the environment in which it lives, by the culture in which it has flowered. This mind has taken time to arrive at what we are now, ten thousand years or more. That mind is full of experiences, knowledge, images, symbols. So we are asking a question, which is, what place has knowledge in the transformation of human mind? You are following all this? We have acquired great deal of knowledge, both technologically, oh, in so many ways, in so many departments, science, biology, anthropology and so on, so on, so on, medically. And also we have acquired a great deal of knowledge in the field, in the area of the psyche. So we are asking, what place has knowledge? Knowledge being the past, What is its relationship to the, to the transformation of the human mind? Is the question clear? <coughs> I have a great deal of knowledge about myself. Why I think such things? What are the associations of that particular thought? Why I react? What are my experiences, my hurts, my anxieties, my fears, my insistent pursuit of pleasure? And the fears of love, of living and dying, I have accumulated tremendous knowledge about myself. I watched it for fifty years, very carefully, observed all the subtleties, the cunning, 
the deceptions, the cruelties. When I am talking about myself, I am talking about you. Don't merely don't put that cap onto me and say you looking at me and forget yourself. We are talking about you. I've watched. I've listened to dozens of philosophers, teachers, gurus. They give their knowledge, their experience. So I during these years, whether it's ten years, fifty years, or a hundred years, or ten thousand years, there's a great deal of knowledge has been accumulated. And yet I am just a mediocre, shoddy, second hand, uh, cunning, stupid human being. I react so quickly to violence, to flattery. My vanities and pride are immense. I conform. I battle against conformity. I talk about art, teach a little bit of art here and there, play an instrument. Write a little book, become famous, notorious, wanting publicity. You know, I'm all that. I have gathered tremendous information, knowledge. And that knowledge is the past. All knowledge is the past. There is no future knowledge. There is no present knowledge. Please listen to all this. There is only knowledge as the past. And knowledge is time. Are you following all this? Now I say to myself, I know this. And also by careful objective, non-personal observation of the world, I see there must be total change in me as a human being, not only in my relationship with another, however intimate, my relationship with, with a man ten thousand miles away, my relationship with my neighbour, with, with human beings. I see there is a battle, conflict, misery, always asserting myself, the selfish activity, the self-centred movement. That's all knowledge. Now, what place has it in the human transformation which the mind sees also is absolutely necessary? So that's the question.
will future experience gathering more knowledge not only go to the moon and to various other fields of knowledge but also the knowledge of myself gathering more and more and more taking time will that bring about change that is will time and knowledge and knowledge is time will that bring transformation in me in you or a quite a different kind of energy is demanded this is a problem we are going to discuss you want right are we meeting each other because as we said we are sharing the thing together and to share something together you need both the both need a relationship of affection consideration inquiry right otherwise you can't share we must both be interested in the thing we are sharing together which means sharing together at the same time at the same level with the same intensity otherwise you can't share it so i have this problem you have this problem we know a great deal what others have said about us and what are what we also know about ourselves and will that bring about change that means will thought change the human mind you understand thought being the response of knowledge thought has created this world right thought has divided the people as the christians and the non christians as the arab and the jew as the catholic and the non catholic the communist and the hindu it divided people thought has done this are you aware of it thought has divided the world 
as Switzerland, France, Germany, Russia and all the rest. Thought has brought about conflict between each other, not only religiously, (coughs) socially, economically, but also in our relationships. And we are looking to thought to change us. That's what we are doing, aren't we? You may not be conscious of it, but actually that's what we are trying to do. Is the picture clear? Not my picture, but the the picture. That thought, knowledge, time, which which are all the same, Time, knowledge, thought has brought about this world with all its confusion, misery, corruption, sorrow, pain out there and also in in here. And we say it all must change. See these people say that, but They employ thought to bring about a change. You understand? So, I I question the whole thing. I see very clearly that knowledge cannot change. Knowledge cannot change my activity, my self-centred movement of you and me as two separate entities fighting each other. So what am I to do? You understand? Do put this question to yourself in all seriousness. When what is your answer? You see the world? and see yourself as the world, and you see what knowledge is, knowing knowledge is necessary in certain fields of activity, and also asking yourself, can that knowledge which human beings have gathered for thousands of years about oneself, 
as time, can that knowledge, time and thought bring about a radical human, radical psychological revolution? Now, take that thought, look at it. Now, how do you listen to that statement? How do you listen to the statement, what place has knowledge in human transformation? How do you listen to it? When you listen to those words, do you translate it into an abstraction? You understand what I mean by an abstraction? Draw from listening to that statement a conclusion, which is an abstraction. And therefore you are not listening to the statement, but Listening to the abstraction. You are following this? Are we meeting each other? No, I see we are not. I have made a statement. What what place has time, which is knowledge and thought in the transformation of human mind, human being, because there must be transformation. Now, how do you listen to it? Do you listen merely to the meaning of words Or do you listen and in the very act of listening draw a conclusion? (coughs) And therefore, listening with a conclusion and not actually listening to the statement. (coughs) Have you understood? You see the difference? When you listen to a statement, to this statement, and draw a conclusion, an abstraction, then thought is in action. You follow this? So this is, I'm not being clever. I'm not, this is not an intellectual thing, but you can observe it in yourself. Words. <laughs> let, put, let me put it this way. Can you think without a word? Without an image, without a symbol? 
I'm asking you that question. Please, listen to it. Can you think without a word, without a symbol, without an image? If there is no image, no symbol, no word, is there a thinking? Right? Now, you listen to that. What do you do with the, with the act of listening? What have you done after listening to it? Go on, please. You're trying to find out, aren't you? If there is a thinking without a word. And you say, by Joe, I can't think without a word. I must have an image, a symbol, otherwise there is no thinking. So, the thinking, the word, the symbol, the image is knowledge. And that is time. And so, can that time change the human mind? <laughs> and all philosophies, all religious structure is based on thinking which is knowledge. And we are looking to that knowledge to bring about a change. And I say, that's not possible. It's impossible. But I must see that very clearly. See it in the sense be sensitive to the truth of that statement. The truth being that knowledge, though necessary in the world of action, how to drive a car, language, in the field of science and so on, knowledge is necessary. But knowledge as a means of transforming the human being has no place whatsoever. Do you see the truth of it? And you can only see the truth of it if you don't draw a conclusion from it. You don't say, then what am I to do? That's a conclusion. Then how should I act? I have lived all my life on conclusions, beliefs, ideas, thought, and you come, you come along and say, look, that, that has no place in relationship, in human change. Then you ask, then what will take its place? 
that question is put by his thought. Therefore you are still functioning in the field of thought. Therefore you don't see the truth of it. I don't know if I can't make it any more clear. It's up to you. You see, our chief concern for a serious man is the total transformation of the human mind, total, not partial, complete revolution in the psyche, because that is the first movement which can transform the outward environment. Without that radical change, mere changes in the outward has no meaning anymore, because they create more and more and more problems. You can see that, how they are polluting the earth, the waters of the sea, and so on, so on, so on. And mere reformation there is not going to change. So uh, being serious, one asks, if knowledge has no place, then what will, what is the energy, what is the flame, what is the quality that will completely change the mind? Right? Now do I, do you see clearly the truth that knowledge is not going to change man? Not because I say it, not because intellectually I'm convincing you, not because you feel that is the only way. Do you, do you, irrespective of your environment, irrespective of the speaker, irrespective of any influence, impression, demand, do you see the truth of it for yourself? If you do, then what is the state of your mind? The third extract is from Krishnamurti's second talk in Sanan, 1974, titled The Energy Needed for Total Transformation. Thought creates its own energy, which is what is happening in the Western world. To produce one of those marvelous machines at the submarine, 
must have, one must have tremendous cooperation energy. And that energy is brought about through an idea. Idea is organized thought. I hope you're following. And this kind of energy is always in the deep sense of that word, destructive, because it is divisive. Now, is there an energy which is not destructive, which is not divisive, which is which is not mechanical? You're going to give me a chance. You know, I didn't prepare this talk. I never do. And so I'm also investigating as I'm going along. Otherwise, if I prepare a talk and come here, it's a beastly bore. So I'm asking myself and you. Is there an energy which is not based on idea, commitment to an ideology, an energy which is dependent on attachment, whether it's a furniture to an ideal or to a person? You're following all this? Is there an energy? Which is not in any way involved in the field of time as thought movement. Hmm? Right? Well, now we're going to find out. You understand my question, my inquiry? Life is action, the very living. All relationship is action, movement in action. Action is movement. And that movement is based on thought as for, at present, political, religious, social, economic and moral relativism, which is rampant in the world now. All that is based on thought which is divisive and therefore contradictory and breeding more misery. And is there an action totally unrelated to all that? And to find out, one must have energy, not mere intellectual energy, with all its accumulated, educated knowledge. It is not the intellectual energy, 
nor emotional energy, which is recognizable by thought, therefore still part of thought. So is there an energy which can come about so as to bring about a total transformation in the very process of the mind? You understand? Our minds are educated in so many ways, in excellent ways, on the foundation of thought. And that thought has its own energy. And in in action that energy does breed great deal of mischief and confusion. That's clear. And in inquiring if there is an action which is not based on the movement of thought, to inquire into that very deeply you need a great deal of energy. Not the energy of trying to find an end, not the energy that you have when you you are moving in a particular direction, but the energy that can change the content of consciousness. You, You get what I'm talking about? Look, sir, to put it differently, One knows what the content of one's consciousness is, if one is at all awake, aware, attending to one's behaviour, watching, looking, hearing. One knows what the content of one's consciousness is. And the desire to change that is a movement in a particular direction, and that does give you energy. But that is divisive, right? Uh, right. And I, one realizes the content must be totally changed, because we can't go on as we are, unless we want to destroy whole human humanity. We can't go on as we are. It requires a total transformation of the content of consciousness. The content makes consciousness. Therefore, when, the, when there is a total transformation of the content, the, there is a different kind of, I wouldn't call it conscious, a different level altogether. And to bring about that change, you need tremendous energy. Right? So there must be freedom from direction. Please see the logic of it, the sanity of it. There must be freedom from direction, from a conclusion, 
the conclusions give you a great deal of energy, but that kind of energy is a wasteful energy. So the mind must be free of idea. You understand? Idea is the response of thought. The mind must be free of ideals, because that's again a direction. Mind must be free of all the divisive movements of thought as nationality, the race, division, freedom from the stupid religious divisions, all that. Now, can the mind, your mind, be free of that? If it cannot, then it's not possible. Do what you will, stand on your head for ten thousand years, or meditate in it, sitting in a position, posture, breathing rightly for another ten thousand years, you will never find the other. So can the mind, seeing how stupid, how unintelligent ideals are, see it, not say they're wrong and put it away, but see the truth of it. When you see the truth of it, you're free of it. Not when you logically, uh, historically examine all this. When you see something as poisonous, you drop it. There is no conflict, because you, your intelligence says such is too stupid to go that way. Can you? Free your mind from all this. Please listen to this. Do you free it one by one? Or do you free it totally? If you free it one by one, that takes energy. Doesn't it? So, well, I look at my nationality, how stupid it is, I'll drop it. I look at my ideals and say, oh, good Lord, it's too old-fashioned, it is too rough, it doesn't lead anywhere, it is a bridge conflict, and I'll drop it. You follow? Will you free the mind, layer by layer, which will take time, which will take analysis, and analysis paralysis, Hmm? And will you go through that period, taking long years? Or is there a way of looking at all this totally, and therefore be totally free of it? You understand? You... Now, traditionally, it is said you must go step by step. First, you must get rid of control your body, breathe rightly. You know all the beastly games they play. Traditionally, 
and modern psychology also says go step by step, analyze, tear away. And you can spend years till you die doing that. Right? Now, is that not a wastage of energy? If it is, then how shall the mind please go into this? How shall the mind, which is the storehouse of all its content, how shall such a mind empty itself of its content? So that it has a totally different existence totally different kind of energy. The fourth extract is from the second question and answer meeting in Madras, 1985, titled Transformation Requires Clear Perception. Silence is the pivotal point in all your teachings for the transformation of man. You have advocated the need of sitting still and staying in silence for short periods during the day to bring about this mutation in the brain. Please teach us the, pra- the practical steps to achieve this transformation. God. (laughs) Who put this question? I'm afraid the question has got things totally wrong. Silence is the pivotal point in all your teachings for the transformation of man. Nonsense. And you add to your close circle, you have advocated the need for sitting still, staying in silence for a short period during the day, and so to bring about trans- situation, you know, all the rest of it. You know, that becomes transcendental meditation. You ever heard about that? Morning, twenty minutes, afternoon, twenty minutes, in the evening, twenty minutes, keep silent or watchful. That helps bring about a good siesta. (laughs) That you can go to sleep during those twenty minutes. Relax. I'm not joking. This is what is going on in the world. The speaker is not advocating anything. He's not doing any kind of propaganda for you to convince you of anything. And I re- the speaker really means it. Please take it seriously. On the contrary, He says, doubt, 
doubt what the speaker is saying. Not only other speakers, this speaker. Question. Be skeptical. Be independent. So he is not advocating silence, which is you. I won't go into all this. It's so trivial. This question. As you know, the speaker has not even understood a thing of what the poor man has been saying for sixty years. So, transformation of human psyche, the human selfishness, the human violence is not through silence. Silence is something totally different from the word silence. Silence may include sound. I won't go into that now, it's not. We don't understand sound. The sound of a tree, the sound of a thunder, the sound of a Jet racing across the sky a thousand miles an hour, minute of an hour. There is tremendous sound in the world. Sound in ourselves. And we separate the sound from silence. Sound may be and is part of silence. I won't go to this now, you won't. To bring about transformation of the psyche, which is ourselves, our self interest, our confusion, our pain, sorrow, fear, pleasure, and all the things that we go through life the pain, the uncertainty, the lack of security, the demand for security, both physically and psychologically. All this is me, you, your profession, your name, your bank account if you have one. All that is you imagining, sitting very quiet, closed eyes. It's all that is you, your worries, your problems, your quarrels, your desires, your sexual demands, your name, genetically, and so on, is you. And to bring about a total transformation that is total ending of the Self, which is creating such chaos in the world, that ending 
is not through silence you can be that ending has to take place now not tomorrow and that ending can only come through careful attentive observation of yourself of your desires your thoughts your attempts at meditation concentration going to a guru all that is part of the self interest and to end that completely this self interest you need a very good clear brain not a muddle brain and that means to have a brain that is free from all programs <coughs> to be free from all conditioning and therefore one has to observe the conditioning the conditioning that you are a hindu muslim that you are this and that all those trivialities which thought has created that requires great inward attention you give great deal of attention to earn money to go to your office to do this or that tremendous and you give very very little attention to the other have you ever noticed something very simple suppose you and i have been going north taking a certain path always for the last 10,000 or million years we have been going north it's a simple example don't say we're going north we are not we are going north suppose and somebody comes along and says you have been going along that path for the last 100,000 years and more I have been on that path too but there, it leads nowhere that man says and he say go east or south or west and he says it in all seriousness and you listen to it because you are weary of this path going on and you listen very carefully and she said, quite right let me try go see when you turn from going north east or west or south your whole the brain has broken the pattern of the north you understand what i'm saying coming away together it has broken the pattern therefore the conditioning moment it turns going east it has changed radically the brain cells themselves 
because you have broken the pattern. I have been a Muslim all my life, and I see how absurd it is, this division. The moment I perceive the absurdity of the truth of it, not the truth I must be, the truth of this division, brought about by thought and so on and so on, the moment I see that, there is a mutation in the brain, in the brain cells itself. We have discussed this matter with so-called brain specialists. They won't quite accept what I'm saying because they haven't tried it on themselves. <laughs> they have tried it on the dogs, monkeys, and pigeons, and all the rest of it. Don't laugh, sirs, please. All these professionals never try it on themselves. They're like you and me, ambitious, greedy, seeking position, power, and all the rest. So there is a mutation. Mutation means total change, complete something different, when there is clear perception. The final extract in this episode is from Krishnamurti's 14th talk in Ojai, 1949, titled Complete Transformation. So this division between the thinker, the maker of effort, the seeker, and the thought is artificial, fictitious, and it has been separated because we see that thoughts are tra- transient. They come and go. They have no substance in themselves. And so the thinker separates himself and gives himself permanently. And he exists but thoughts vary. It's a false security. And if one sees the falseness of it, actually experiences it, then there is there are only thoughts and not the thinker and the thought. Then you will see if it is an actual experience, not merely a verbal assertion or just amusement, a hobby. Then you will find if it is a real experiencing, not just a verbal statement, that you are whole, that there is a complete revolution in our thinking. Then there is real transformation. Because then there is no longer seeking. No longer seeking quietitude or silence or alone. Then there is only the concern with what is thinking, what is thought. Then you will see if there is this transformation take place. There is no longer an effort, but an extraordinary alert passivity. 
in which there is understanding of every relationship. Of every incident as, they, as it arises. Therefore the mind is always fresh to meet these things are new. And hence, that silence which is so essential is not a thing to be cultivated, but comes into being naturally. When you understand this fundamental thing, that the thinker is the thought, and therefore the I is transient, Therefore the I has no permanency. The I is not a spiritual entity. If you are able to think that the I is God or something spiritual, everlasting, it is still the product of thought. And therefore of the known, therefore not true. Therefore it is really important, essential to understand this. This sense of complete integration, which cannot be forced, integration between the thinker and the thought. It's like an, a deep experience which cannot be invited which cannot, you cannot lay awake thinking about it. It must be seen immediately. And you do not see it because you are clinging to your past beliefs, conditions. What you have learned, that the eye is something spiritual more than all the thoughts. Surely it's so obvious. Whatever you think is the product of the past, of your memory, of words, sensation, your conditioning. If you can think about the unknown, surely you cannot, you cannot know the unknown, therefore you cannot think about it. What you can think about is the known. Therefore it's a projection from the past. And one must see all the significance of all this and then there will be the experiencing of that integration between the thought and the thinker which has been artificially created for self-protection, therefore unreal. When once there is the experiencing of that, then there is complete transformation with regard to our thinking, feeling and outlook on life. Then there is only a state of experiencing and not the experiencer and the experienced which has to be altered, modified, changed. There is only a state of constantly experiencing, not the core experiencing, not the center, the me, the memory experiencing, but only a state of experience, which we do occasionally when we are completely absent, when the self is absent, 
I do not know if you have not noticed. When there is a deep experiencing of anything, there is neither this sensation, neither the experiencer, nor the experience, but only a state of experience, a complete integration. When you are violently angry, you are not conscious of yourself as the experiencer. Later on, as that experience of anger fades, then you become conscious of you being angry. Then you do something about that anger, to deny it or justify it or to condone with it and, you know, various forms of trying to pass it away. But if there is not the entity who is angry, but only that state of experiencing, then there is a complete transformation. You will, if you will experiment with this, you will see. Then you will see when there is this radical experience, this radical transformation, which is a revolution, then the mind becomes quiet. Not made quiet, not compelled discipline. Such quietness is death, it's stagnation. A mind that is made quiet through discipline is a dead mind, through compulsion, through fear. But when there is the experiencing of this, which is vital, which is essential, which is real, which is the beginning of transformation. Then the mind is quiet, without any compulsion. And when the mind is quiet, then it is capable of receiving. Because you are not spending any more your efforts in resisting, in building barriers between yourself and reality, whatever that reality be. All that you have read about reality is not reality. Reality cannot be described, and if it is described, it is not the real. And for the mind to be new, for the mind to be capable of receiving the unknown, the mind must be empty. And that mind can be empty only when the whole contents of the mind are understood. To understand the contents of the mind, one must be Watchful, what? Ever aware of every movement, every incident, every sensation. Therefore, self-knowledge is essential. 
But if one is seeking through self-knowledge an, ach an achievement again, then self-knowledge leads to self-consciousness. And there one is stuck. And it's extraordinarily difficult to withdraw from that net. When once you are caught, but not to be caught in it, we must understand the process of desire. The craving to be something. Not there. The desire for food, clothes and shelter. That's quite different. But the psychological craving to be something. To achieve a result. To have a name. To have a position. To be powerful. Or to be humble. Only when the mind is empty, then only it, is be, it can be useful. But a crowded mind of fear, of memories of what it has been in the past, the sensations of past experiences, such a mind is utterly useless, is it not? Such a mind is incapable of knowing what is creation. Surely we must have had experiences of those moments when the mind is absent and then suddenly there is a flash of joy, a flash of an idea, a light, a great bliss. How does that happen? It happens when the self is absent, when the, when the process of hope, worry, memory, Pursuits are still. Therefore, creation can take place only when there is when the mind, through self-knowledge, has come to that state when it is completely naked. All this means arduous attention. Not merely indulging in verbal sensation, seeking, going from one guru to another, from teacher to teacher, doing absurd and vain rituals, repeating words, seeking masters. All these are illusions that have no meaning. They are hobbies. But to go into this question, of self-knowledge and not be caught in self-consciousness and go ever deeply, more profoundly so that the mind becomes completely quiet. That is true religion. Then such a mind is capable of receiving that which is eternal. 